Good morning, everyone. In our readings today, in particular from Sirach and from the Gospel, um, there is a teaching method going on uh, that is, for our ears, a little unusual. Um, and it becomes very clear in the Gospel, our Lord uh, shoots out very quickly three very powerful parables. And uh, uh, they're short, um, but they have great meaning. And um, this type of teaching is known as karas. And it, its translation is roughly string of pearls. And you can get the idea, uh, all the beautiful pearls. But, um, and uh, the method of moving rapidly from one point to another uh, was done to keep the listener's attention. Um, but it was considered to be highly effective uh, in the ancient times. Um, I've tried to do this, but usually what happens is people will say, oh, Father, it's, you gave three great homilies. <laughs> That's why I failed, where <laughs> Jesus didn't. Um, and my friends say, I bring this up because it's a, a great teaching method, um, and uh, after my homily, I'll speak to you about the change that's coming, about how we will uh, catechize and evangelize in our parish. But uh, going to our gospel, uh, Jesus says, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. And in other words, uh, what is in your heart or in a person's heart will eventually come forth, will be revealed. Um, there's a great teaching here. One of the things is, uh, um, last night I joked with one of the doctors, and I said, oh, people's tongues are very busy. Some others, some more than others, huh? That their tongue is quite busy uh, doing things. But the tongue then becomes a very powerful thing. And um, our first reading speaks about the power of the tongue, meaning the power of words and the power of speech. And uh, it is put forth that the tongue can be a sword and the tongue can also be a gauge or it can reveal the symptom of the heart. And... Um, so we first look how the tongue acts, if you will, as a sword. And I ask you to reflect back um, over this morning and last evening uh, and see the number of people that maybe you've been encountering. And did you give them a handshake? Did you give them a hug? Did you give them that weird eyeball look? <laughs> you know, disapproving. And, and, but then I want you to think about how many people you actually re encountered by word. And today, I have no choice but to include not only the spoken word, but now the written word, thanks to social media and to text messaging. As a matter of fact, uh, some people, uh, my sister, for one, says, I call my son, he won't answer the phone, and immediately, within three seconds, he sends a text message. What do you want? I want you to pick up the phone. <laughs> I want you to answer it. <laughs> I want you to talk to me. And he says, I am. <laughs> well, my friends, this brings us um, to the idea of the word spoken and the power that it has. It has the power to give comfort. It has the power to encourage. It has the power of peace. Today we saying the Alleluia, uh, the Gloria, and it will be gone until Easter, Holy Week. 
and to that we give God glory, and we use our words uh, to give him praise and glory, and it has power in it. But we can also use our tongue, our speech, to destroy and to hurt and to spread slander of all kinds. And uh, one's word, words can cause war or can begin the peace process. Most of our interactions in the world are through words, whether spoken or now written. What we say is more powerful and long-lasting than anything we can do with our physical strength. One can physically assault somebody and cause them physical harm, and typically uh, the body will heal almost completely, if not completely, from that. But if one verbally abuses another, those words cut into places much deeper than the skin, and they cause great damage. They cause damage uh, to the person themselves, right down to their heart. And those type of wounds, those are not so easily healed. And in fact, those kind of the wounds that we spoke about last week that will lead into hatred, that will lead into lack of forgiveness, into grudges. If you steal money from someone, you can return it and even give them interest upon it. And the person is made whole, more or less. But if one steals another's reputation and good name through gossip and slander, how are you going to return them to wholeness in that? My friends, the book of Sirach says, uh, uh, he, in the chapter that follows, and hopefully you would read that, um, many have fallen by the sword, but many more by the tongue. See what he's getting at? So much damage, so much hatred because of the word. The tongue is a sword. And the tongue also can be understood as a, a gauge of one's heart uh, or as a symptom of what is in the heart. It is an indicator of one's spiritual health. Today's reading from Sirach and our Lord's concluding words in the gospel. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Thus how one speaks to and about others becomes a gauge of what's in their heart or a symptom of what's inside their heart. A good indicator of what is happening. And my friends, we will enter into the Lenten season in just a few days now, a couple days. And uh, the readings of Lent... Um, will call us to look not only at our speech, but to our hearts. And Lent is a good time to look at the state of that heart. Uh, what state is it in? And my friends, are we, um, as our Lord puts forth, he put forth a bunch of parables this morning, but one of them, he said, um, are you trying to clear the speck from someone's eye while ignoring uh, your own? And that parable, very quickly, he's talking about judgment. How can you, who are in sin, lead somebody out of sin? That's what he's getting at. How can you, who are blind, lead someone else when you not both fall into a pit? He said, first, get the speck out of your own eye. Well, he says the big log out. And then go help your brother 
with his speck. And very clever because in that Jesus says something that Paul begins to build up. You are your brother and sister's keeper then. Yikes. <laughs> we know what our heart is like through the things that come out from it. And one of them is the power of words, our speech. Are we using the gift of power to heal and to set free? Or do we use it to tear down and destroy? So often we think of all the things, the great things done for our Lord. Uh, I think about our saints and uh, those who establish convents and monasteries and uh, develop prayers of all kinds. And they had victory in holy wars. And, uh, and we often look to them and we think, oh, if I could only do that. Without even recognizing the fact that we have the power of speech, of word. To use, to do great things. When we let our words be the word of our Lord to others, they do great things also. A good and holy word to another has an effect that will last a lifetime. You know this already. And friends, sometimes even I forget. We just had a, uh, if you will, a span of many funerals, nine in total. And I'm able to use the word of God to remind the family of what St. Paul tells us in our second reading. There is victory. It's to the priest to remind the family when they're suffering, when they are in pain, your loved one lives. Your loved one lives. And you raise them from that despair. Father said, my loved one is very much alive. the priest, I pray to God they would never, I have no idea if your loved one is alive or not. See the power? The tongue so busy and so powerful. Through it one can touch the lives of many, making their lives better or making it worse. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we give our hearts to Christ and then speak from that heart, we will always use our tongue for good things. Always say the right thing. It may not be the most popular thing to say, and it may not be the most poetic thing, but it will be the right thing if it is holy. Our words will carry the word of our Lord. If our heart reflects Christ, so will our words. And so will our deeds, because our Lord will go on to move to that. You'll say your very lives will speak for you. A good tree bears good fruit. And Jesus said elsewhere, by their fruits shall you know them. A person's heart, their very life, is ultimately known by their words and by their actions. And Jesus would go on, as I said, to put forth that actions are also a good indicator of one's character. As he knew actions could belie one's words, 
he launched this attack against the Pharisees and scribes often. You hypocrites, you say one thing and do another. Jesus leveled this against them, that they did not practice what they taught or what they preached. My friends, let us keep always in mind the power of the word and to speak to someone. We forget. And it's one of the most ancient things around. We have all this great technology. None of it would have came without speech, without word. And it is a gift from God. It is a gift of God for us. In the scriptures, we are told, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And God spoke and created. God spoke into the lifeless body of Adam and caused life. In baptism as Christians, God shares that very power of speech with you. It's up to us. He gives us the gift of free will. How will you use the power he has given to say, good morning, how are you? Or please, thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. So the power and those words, you have it and you harness it always. Oh, in mercy have we seen how people can be merciless with those words. My friends, on social media, there people can be anonymous and say the most wretched of things. And it causes so much damage when we hear about our teenagers who are attacked to the point that they want to commit suicide through the word written. See what I'm getting at? We need to come to understand the power that it has. And to use it and not abuse it. How much better is it to look someone in the eye? Hello. How are you? Great power is in that. And my friends, as I opened with Jesus and Sarak, used a method called karas to teach. After a year of much praying and discernment, um, we have come to the point where our parish needs to change how we will catechize and evangelize. Uh, we will move from one method to another, and it is going to be huge. It's not little. That's why it took a year of prayer and discernment, and your pastor's heart is filled with anxiety because it is a major move. And <laughs> I get terrified <laughs> by those kind of things. This is the one time when I'm like, okay, Jesus, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing. <laughs> but I think you do know. More than that, other parishes have already launched it uh, with different degrees of success. The success we will have is if we come together behind it and embrace this new form. And uh, um, I look forward to it because it will help to create disciples of Jesus Christ through and through from the heart. It will help our members 
uh, to become more knowledgeable and in that knowledge to have that power of faith behind them. Uh, so uh, we will speak more in the coming months about the change that will be implemented in September. And it will be a huge shift, a huge change. <laughs> and with all things, change is usually never really easy. <laughs> it's usually kind of difficult. And yet, uh, often it must be done. And uh, so we will do this and we will uh, pray and continue. And as with all things, you can tweak it a little bit uh, to make it uh, work for our particular parish as opposed to the parish B and C and D who did that. Okay. Ash Wednesday. It is a day of fasting and a day of abstinence. You know the difference between the two? Abstinence, no meat. Fasting, one meal, and because of the abstinence, no meat. <laughs> that falls on Ash Wednesday and also on Good Friday. Who's supposed to do this? By canon law, people between the ages of 18 and 59. Look at some of you. <laughs> 60. <laughs> well, that's kind of missing it. <laughs> Boy, canon law takes a long time to change. <laughs> people are living to be 100 now. So, um, so if you can, please do so. Teens, 14 and younger, um, they do not have to abstain from meat, but they are asked to fast. Fasting means one meal for the day. Uh, you can have little things, but that does not add up to. And what do we do that for? We do that uh, uh, to make room for Christ in our heart, yes, but also to be in union with all Roman Catholics throughout the world who will be doing this on the same, at the same time and then offering their prayers with that. On Ash Wednesday, it is the custom uh, that I will spend the whole day inside the church in prayer. And uh, last year we had over 175 people come through throughout the day to receive ashes on their forehead. The ashes is a sacramental, meaning like holy water, uh, like a rosary. So any Christian who comes to me, I can impose ashes on their forehead. And we had a number of Methodists and Lutherans come. Hey, my neighbor's Catholic told me you were in here all day long. One time I can get something from you guys. <laughs> we keep a sense of humor about that. Uh, so uh, I will be in here all day imposing ashes uh, in prayer. Company, I know you're here. I'm like, I have great company. <laughs> I'm okay, but I appreciate the company for sure. Um, my friends, as I teach you always, Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation. That being said, it is always good to come together and celebrate Mass. So we will have Mass at 9 a.m. and again at 7 p.m. But uh, you are not obligated to come. But it is a beautiful way uh, to uh, usher in the Lenten season. Amen. <laughs>